Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. My name is Lou Moore. I'm the president of the Washington Research Council, and I have with me here today Chris Showbloom, who is our research director and house economist, as well as Emily Makings, our senior research analyst. So, Chris, some economic news that's making the news. Well, the big thing um, last week uh, from the state point of view was the uh, update to the forecast of state revenues. Um, This is the forecast that the legislators will be using when they uh, write a budget for the uh, upcoming 2015-2017 biennium. Um, Actually, interestingly, this was normally... In a budget writing year, the forecast is issued on the 20th of March. Uh, this year, they accelerated by a month and actually produced the uh, the forecast on the 20th of February. I think the hope is that an earlier forecast will help them get out of uh, out of town on time. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this last week, and I'm not so sure that'll happen, given the pressures that are on them. But be that as it may. The bottom line is that they came up with uh, $274 million in the relevant accounts, more than uh, had been expected. $134 million of that um, will come in the current bienniums, which means they should have $134 million more in the bank when they start the 2015-2017 biennium. And then they're forecast for $140 million more to come in during the course of the next uh, biennium. Okay, so just for some perspective then, we're looking at about $275 million of additional revenue. That's against how much of a shortfall of revenue overall that they are needing to deal with right now. That depends on who's doing the calculation. It could be as low as $800 million, I think, if you're really pushing it, and as high as $5 billion in the uh, in the eyes of the biggest advocates for for K-12 education. But other way of putting it into perspective is that is that right now we are expecting uh, $37.1 billion to come in over the course of the biennium. Okay, so this is helpful, but not all that helpful yeah, in is. terms of bridging the crisis. That's right. It doesn't bridge the crisis, but it makes things just modestly less dire. Okay. Or... All right. Very well. Or modestly more doable, depending upon modestly the Modestly more doable, maybe. We'll see. We'll see if it's doable, and we'll see if it's doable in 105 days, which is somewhat doubtful. Emily, you've been following the longshoremen and the ports and their uh, conflict. What's up there? Yes, we've written before about the slowdown at the West Coast ports. It now appears that a complete shutdown has been averted. On Friday, February 20th, the union and the Pacific Maritime Association reached a tentative deal for a five-year contract, but the union members themselves will still need to vote on it. And so far, no details have been released, but it looked like people were back to work on Saturday, so that's a good sign. The ports of Seattle and Tacoma are uh, released a press release and said they were unsure how long it would take to get through the backlog here. The National Retail Federation estimates that it would take about six to eight weeks for ports to get through the backlog overall. So we'll see how that um, translates to our ports. 
And this is very good news because, as the National Retail Federation study showed, they estimated that a five-day shutdown of West Coast ports would cost about $2 billion a day. So we've avoided that for now anyway, so that's good. That is good. But six to eight weeks to get through the backlog. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for that. So I have been following government reform efforts in various venues, and uh, we've talked about uh, recently here, and it's being talked about all over Olympia, the Senate transportation package, our first transportation package in 10 years. There's been a lot of focus on the fact that it would uh, include an 11.7 cent uh, gas tax and that it would uh, feature a number of fairly large or very large construction projects to ease congestion. But an area that hasn't been focused in on as much is some elements of the package that have to do with streamlining permitting and perhaps reducing the cost, uh, the length of time, uh, and the hassle involved with getting some of these projects done, particularly in the maintenance area. So uh, the transportation package features streamlining that would include a 90-day requirement to process new construction permits. Uh, restricting appeals of permits to only the superior court. Right now you can go many times to a hearing examiner. It's more accessible for more people who uh, do not like the permit that's been issued. So under this new part of the legislation, they would be required, folks who would be opposed to these uh, new projects would be required to go to superior court. And another feature of the transportation package is that it would exempt most uh, maintenance, routine maintenance activities that are part of this overall package from both state and local permits. And at the same time, on the House side, there's uh, an initiative in this same area. There's three bills that have come out. Chair uh, Judy Cliburn has been working with a couple of Republicans, uh, Dave Hayes from District 10, as well as Hans Zeiger. Uh, on some uh, streamlined permitting for the same types of things. So uh, Representative Zeiger has a bill that would uh, exempt structurally deficient state bridges from the SEPA Act, the State Environmental Policy Act, and it would expedite the bidding process to implement the work of replacing these deficient bridges. And Representative Hayes has got a couple of bills, one with Representative Steve Berquist, who's of the opposing party, that is a related bill that would apply this to local bridges. Uh, the, the bill that Zeiger has is for state bridges. And then Dave Hayes, as well as uh, Chairperson Cliburn, uh, have another bill that would exempt many of these maintenance projects from the Shoreline uh, Management Act and uh, there would be a schedule of types of maintenance that would be uh, exempted. So the sum total of this is there's, there's some effort on both sides of the aisle uh, to streamline the time it takes to get these uh, transportation projects underway and completed, which would save the taxpayers money, which is important when you're going to the voters or to the public, to their constituency, to ask for a 11, 12 cent gas tax increase. So we'll have to watch and see the progress of those elements in the Senate package, uh, as well as the bills coming the other direction from the House side. All these House bills made it through the committee process last week in Olympia. My name is Lou Moore. I'm president of the Washington Research Council. I've been here today with Chris Showbloom and Emily Makings. Thank you very much. In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council. 
dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.